Welcome, everyone, to the Top Producer Podcast. I am uh, Paul Neefer, your host, and today we're going to have a conversation with Alan Richardson, who used to be living in Iowa, but now he lives in sort of the extreme northwestern part of Arkansas. Alan, how are things going? Hey, Paul, good to, good to talk to you. Yeah, they're going well, thank you. Um, and as we speak right now, I am in Iowa, so uh, yeah, but things are going well, thank you. Yeah, I was actually in uh, Moline. I flew into Moline, Illinois on, ooh, I got to think, yesterday was Wednesday. So I flew in on Monday. I spoke on Tuesday and Wednesday morning, flew home uh, yesterday, no, yesterday, yeah, yesterday afternoon. I'm home for about, well, I guess I'm home for the holidays. And then I, I go to Phoenix. I drive to Phoenix with my son's suburban and his dog i'm i'm helping him with that and then i fly to bozeman for a one-day meeting come back to phoenix and i fly to amarillo for a one-day meeting come back to phoenix and then fly somewhere else so yeah i'm I'm used to that so uh but enough about my my travels uh you know we always like to start off with uh background you know where you grew up went to college and and maybe um although Oops, hold on. I have the wrong script here. So hold on a second here. I'm going to bring up the right one. I was looking at it and I'm like, you're not, uh, you're not, uh, you're not uh, the right one there. So, uh, okay. Yeah. So again, where you grew up and all that good stuff. Yeah, you bet. So uh, I grew up in Southeast Iowa, a little town called Crawfordsville, but out in the country. So I'm a farm kid um, and was in a, uh, a diversified farm, uh, row crop, uh, livestock, cattle, hogs, uh, had some sheep, uh, had a, you know, just at that point, I'm one of, in the middle of five kids. So, yeah. uh, we, we pretty much had all kinds of species and so forth to feed the family and, and, uh, yet, uh, uh, make some good incomes. So, uh, from the farm, I went to a junior college, uh, and studied banking and, uh, I wanted a farm, but I broke my fifth rule playing football in high school. And they told me that I probably shouldn't farm. And so anyway, I went into banking. I wanted to do something that was still involved in agriculture. And yep. so uh, I, I went into banking industry and then uh, worked in a bank for a few years. Then I went to Iowa State, studied ag business, and then um, got out, uh, worked in the, uh, really the, the, I was in the banking industry for a while. I was in uh, marketing communications, advertising agencies uh, in Iowa and Michigan. Basically, I helped introduce the Roundup Ready soybeans and just a lot of agriculture stuff, a lot of ag, ag firms. Um, and then I uh, eventually found my way uh, from Michigan to Kansas City uh, to Iowa and uh, then joined Pioneer, uh, right when Pioneer DuPont uh, joined forces and was there for about eight years. Got my master's at Drake University at that time, uh, MBA. And so then from there, uh, I really just wanted to take all the corporate learning experience that I had and, and go out and help entrepreneurs. Uh, believe that entrepreneurs are salt of the earth and in uh, what we have as our economy and agriculture and, and in, in the United States. So basically took that experience and uh, uh, went out and started working with some entrepreneurs. So uh, and that's when I really found uh, with what I'm doing today was basically finding people could be business owners or business leaders who were stuck and helping them get unstuck. And so uh, I'm kind of a process person. And so that's what I do today is, is uh, you know, uh, find people who are stuck and help them get unstuck, but very specifically about maybe where they're frustrated in running their business or, or getting a handle on their business. The business is not doing what they want it to do, number one, or number two is, is business continuity and succession planning. And so those are a couple of things that I do um, that in my professional uh, life, 
Uh, we also farm. Uh, we also have uh, our plant have a permaculture or we have a, uh, uh, yeah, it's permaculture and so forth down in, in Arkansas. So I'll okay. be quiet and let you ask me the next question. Well, <laughs> when you use the word entrepreneur, when I think of most farmers, um, they're really almost every farmer I know is some type of an entrepreneur. You know, it's it's because, uh, you know, they're they're taking something. They're the boss. Uh, of course, they may be told what to do, especially maybe by their spouse, but the, they are the <laughs> boss. You know, but like you say, sometimes they get stuck. So if we're looking, we'll talk about succession maybe a little bit later on, but if we're talking about the management side, is there a certain process you like to use or is it you go in there and you look at the situation and you're going to decide what works? I, I'm just curious if you have a farm operation that's a little bit stuck, how do you lubricate it? How do you get it unstuck? Yeah. So the, the idea question is, is where, where do they think they're stuck? And, and so there's, you know, a series of questions we can ask to say, what is, what does being stuck mean? And uh, usually if we're procrastinating on something, that means we're probably stuck, but um, you know, I, I think it depends on um, farmers. And again, there's not a cookie cutter because there's yep. all kinds of flavors out there. We know, but farmers usually own uh, their own operation. They may own some land. They may not own some land. Uh, they probably own equipment. Usually is one of the key things that, that almost all operators do, uh, but not so. They could lease it. They could be another situation. Leasing would be controlling. So, but um, so, you know, it depends what they're frustrated with. And so some, as you know, some people may just own a job and some people may own a business. Yep. And there's a there's a big distinction there. Uh, sometimes we would call that maybe a lifestyle farmer versus a, you know, a farmer who owns a job is, is they, they, they own some assets and they get to go to work and, and, and do those things that they love to do. Then there's others who really own a business and they're going to have other employees and so forth, uh, because it's not just about them getting to go out and do what they want to do every day. And so there's sometimes there's some distinction there in size. And so, you know, uh, each of those then will have different uh, obstacles or different challenges, and it's just a matter of where are they stuck. And so I have a I found a process about 15 years ago, Paul, and it stand it, and it's called the EOS, and and EOS stands for the Entrepreneurial Operating System, and it was created by an entrepreneur. And I've used that extensively in agriculture and in just any other business or any other organization, really, uh, that needs help. And it works in nonprofits, for-profits, in churches, uh, in very, very large businesses, and also some startups. And the idea is, uh, usually when there's at least two to four people, and it could be as much as 4,000 people in the business, there's, there's really... Uh, six components of every business of any any type of business or organization and what those are is number one the leaders of that organization need to clearly and consistently and concisely communicate the vision of where the organization is going that's number one is what's the vision number two yeah. is do we have the right people in the right seats to do what we need to do to reach the vision and so it's vision number one people number two from there, those two vision and people can be a little bit subjective. And so we need to have good data. We need to make sure there's some data that we're collecting to say, are, you know, are we in reality and what's really going on? When we have those three, the vision, the people, and the, and the data, 
Then what starts to, to uh, we start to identify is what are the issues? What are some opportunities? What are some problems to, to either improve upon or to go after? Uh, problems or opportunities, we call those issues. Then the, the next step, number number four, that's number five actually, is, is process. And the more people we have in our, in our organization or our business, the more we need to document our processes and make sure we train the people who are going to be implementing those processes, understand them and are following them so that we get consistent results. The last thing then is we need to have a, have a system of getting traction on our vision. Uh, and that's uh, there's a book called Traction, and it's, it's written uh, by my friend Gina Wickman, and it, it explains this entrepreneur operating system. And the idea with the traction then is we need to have regular meetings so that everybody stays connected. And then we have to have very certain priorities that we do every 90 days, because we as human beings can focus on something for about 90 days, and then we just get off focus. Yep. And so we need to come back every 90 days or every quarter and just refocus. And so those are the six components of any strong and healthy organization. And, and then we just have a bunch of tools uh, that will actually go in and help uh, the leaders of that business, either the owner uh, could be, you know, again, it needs to have three or four people involved in the operation. Um, uh, it's not just one farmer, uh, obviously, yep. or it could be many, many. And then there's tools to help them get really strong in these six components. And uh, so that's the that's the skinny or the crux of the system that I use. Uh, and it definitely works with any kind of agriculture, farm operations, but it also works for any business. So are are those six components linear? I mean, you have to go A to B to C, or can you jump around a little bit? Or or is it that you really, before you can get the system, you got to get the first five all done sort of in order? I, I'm just curious on, on, on that process. Yeah, no, it's it's not. I mean, they're they're to some degree, they're iter iterative. And in, in other words, uh, and, and there's some assessments we can do. The first thing we want to do is, you know, again, where's, where's someone stuck? And then we have some assessments that we look at and, and it, it puts these, uh, there's actually a 20 question assessment and depend, depending on the, the value that the farmer or the, the, the leaders of the company give this, it, it's, it's an assessment. And then we know which kind of component we need to go in and start uh, improving first. Now we have a proven process on how to implement the system. Um, and, and that is a linear process. Uh, and we actually start with the traction components before the vision components. But anyway, uh, there there is a proven process to implement it, but any organization does not have to implement it in that way because you just find out where's the biggest need or concern and you implement those tools to help them get unstuck in that area. So I think what I'm saying is this, clearly the whole process is best to use in its entirety because then you're really going to make sure that everything's running and, and it's it's you're 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 being extremely effective and efficient uh but you can piecemeal it just to get unstuck in certain areas so you could do both you could do okay. either one okay now that's a little bit on the i would say more the management side but you're also involved i know we've been involved together a little bit on on some clients on the succession side so uh, you know, I, I'm assuming you could probably use a little bit of the EOS on succession, but what, what do you typically see that helps on the succession side? Yeah, uh, so you're right, Paul. 
uh, on the secession side then, and in, in what I call it, my 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 proven process for, uh, I call it a, a comprehensive business continuity secession plan is six components. Number <laughs> one is how is the management, how's the production performance of our business? How healthy is our business? Well, the EOS helps us with that. So that's number one. Number two is what I call the business continuity part of the plan. And that is what would happen if something bad happens to one of the owners of the business? If there was a death, if there was a divorce, if there, if there was a disagreement between the owners, uh, if there was a long-term disability. And so do we have plans uh, that if something bad happens, and obviously we need those plans written out, it's, it could be a it could be a buy-sell agreement. It could be, you know, understanding uh, and just having some some written down, this is what's going to happen if this happens, okay? could be life insurance, disability insurance, things like that. And so that's a plan for the bad things that hopefully will never happen. But if they do and there's no plan, it could be devastating to the business. The next one then is what I call the secession plan, which is what do we want to have happen? And so the continuity plan is what happens if bad stuff happens. The secession is this is what we want to have happen. Okay. Okay. Now there's three components to that. Number one is what is the what is the ownership secession? In other words, who do we want to own these assets or this business or whatever it is, uh, all of it, right? Who do we want to own it next? Because at some point we'll die. And then the sec next one is what is the management? because we need people to take over management and, and the ownership and management can happen at the same time, or they can happen at very different times. And then if the, and if the ownership and management don't happen at the same time, the third component is some compliance. And so in other words, if, if, if I'm, let's say, or, or for example, my father, uh, my father is 80 some years old and if it's time to, you know, he just, he's not going, he went, he's going to still own some land. He's going to own some equipment, whatever, but he just is not going to be in the management anymore. And therefore a brother is going to farm uh, the land. He needs to have some board meetings or some meetings with my, with, with his son to say, Hey, look, you know, these are my assets still you're renting or whatever my assets, uh, but you don't own them yet, but yet you're managing the farm, if you will, because you're doing the work. And right. so there's just can be a difference there. Okay. 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 All three of those are around the business, uh, the farm operation or, or the entity, the business we're talking about. The next three are really personal because they, you know, eventually everything we do from a business standpoint is going to affect our personal life. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so the next one then uh, is what, what I call the financial planning. And so, uh, you know, there's very specific financial planning and, and a comprehensive financial plan has about six or seven components to it. And this is where I like to have uh, my, my clients work with a professional certified uh, financial planner or a CPA, maybe an attorney, somebody who knows how to use the specific instruments of number one, you know, where, what kind of income do they need during retire retirement? What is their tax situation? There's tax, you know, taxing, yep. tax yep. planning. Uh, there is um, an estate plan. Okay, what's going to happen to my stuff there? Now, there's that's going to be a specific component here. So hold on to that one just a minute. Maybe what's some phil uh, philanthropic? Uh, what type of risk assessment? What type of insurance? Things like that. But there's a very specific financial plan that needs to be put together. And the idea with the financial plan is this. 
after you have decided to leave the business and no longer be employed, the question is, what kind of lifestyle? We want you to have the same financial uh, income and that you had when you were farming. So your your lifestyle, your quality of life, your lifestyle does not have to go down just because you retired. Okay. Yep. yep. All right. the The next one then is uh, is we it's just an estate plan. And so is our estate plan, um, you know, what do we want to have happen to our assets uh, when we die? And obviously, we, you know, we don't want anything to go to probate. There's trust. There's all kinds of very great, complicated things, uh, yes. comprehensive <laughs> things that can be done uh, to minimize tax and all those kind of things to make sure we get it to the to people we want. And, and I guess, Paul, this is where it's really critical that the, I'm going to go back now to the three plans that tie together. Number one, the business continuity plan. So what happens if something bad happens? The financial plan and your contingency plan or your state state plan, they have to be tied together. Yep. Because if, if those aren't, obviously, then eventually there could be a lawsuit. There could be something and it, that's not good. And so we have a state plan. And then the final thing is that you go to, you know, farmers or business owners go to so much work in creating this plan to have a really good plan and they communicate it to their family. But you know what? Over time, as you know, things are going to change. Yep, yep. And so we need to keep this plan up to date. And you know, I I had a an, a situation with a, an operation that, you know, the the family knew what was going on and and everything was was in writing. Well, and this make sometimes I get emotional on some of these these stories, right? These 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 great families we get to work with. Yep. But one of the family members got killed in an accident. It was it was the son who was going to take over, mm. and. And he was into, they were into it for a two year succession. Things were going well and he got, and he got killed in an accident. And so, you know, then now it just, everything's, you know, it totally uh, ruined what was getting done. Now they had some insurance in place. They had all these great things in place, but, you know, and if they wouldn't have had those in place, it would have been a, a, a travesty, uh, but they at least had some insurance. They had some things in place. They were able to go in and pick back up and where they had left off, but as you know, it's 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 so the point is, is that you have to continue to update it as 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 you go on um, and each generation is going to, you know, continue to it's an ongoing planning process, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah. It, you know, like my wife and I, we when we lived in Washington State because we moved here to Colorado about a year ago, but about two years ago, I got our um, wills all updated. I got the estate plan all updated uh, and everything was I thought in pretty good shape. Then we moved to Colorado. <laughs> Suddenly I'm going from a community property state to a separate property state. And I went and met with the attorney about a month and a half ago and we're getting it all redone. You know, the, the, a lot of farmers, I think they think once you paid for that estate plan, you can sort of throw it in a drawer and never look at it again. Well, that's just the start of the process really. Cause like you say, you got to be flexible enough, hopefully flexible enough to zig when you need to zag, so to speak. So, uh, but uh, uh, now on on farmers, do you find them maybe more difficult to do succession planning, easier to do it? Or is there any key differences when you're dealing with farmers versus maybe other business owners? So, you know, are there differences? Yes. Uh, is it any more complicated or whatever? I don't know. I don't think so. So here's some key things. Number one is, as you as you know, um, lots of times farmers have their a lot of their assets tied up in land. 
Yep. And so therefore it's maybe harder to get purchased or bought out or whatever that is. And, you know, as appreciation of land goes, it, it, it really gets hard for the next generation or somebody to buy that. So uh, that, that is just something that's, uh, you know, more unique uh, in, in the agriculture space for farmers is to how to, how to, you know, you, you brought it up. It's the, it's the estate planning and, and so forth. Cause your assets can, can be pretty, be pretty big. And depending on the current legislation and the tax laws, that can be a real challenge. Uh, but it's usually tied up in the land. Yeah. Um, as well as, you know, when the last year that that farmer chooses to retire, you're going to have income, but no more expenses. Yeah. And so that can be a big hurdle. I mean, you, you know, all these, you're seeing the CPA. So uh, <laughs> those are the tough ones. Um, otherwise, you know, I, I think I would, I'm going to take it to a personal people thing now, you know, so number one is, is does this owner is, do they really want to do this or are they getting pushed from a family member? Right. Yep. Yep. And so, I mean, I've worked with farmers that just flat out don't want to do this. And, and quite frankly, they're stinkers. I mean, they're really, really stinkers. And from the standpoint of they don't think they're stuck or they just, that they don't want to approach this because they, they don't want to, you know, enter the danger with the feelings of the family and so mm -hmm. forth. But they're just, it's, you know, it's, they're creating a much worse situation uh, by not, not doing this. On the other hand, and so there's, there's, you know, these paradigms, or I call these ditches. There's some that, that just, you know, don't want to do it. They want to avoid it. Uh, there's, there's some who are dictators and, and they just going to say, this is what's going to happen regardless of their family wanting that or not. Right. And of yeah. course, if they're not, if there's no willing participants to take it over or to do that, if you've got a dictator, it's, it's going to fall short. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's, there's just these people challenges and all we want to do is to, you know, to love on them, hear them and yet help them to say, you know, this is what you're causing by not doing it or doing it this way. And so, you know, we just need people to, I love it when somebody has a plan, has an idea what they want, that's always helpful, but they also need to be open and, and listen to the next generation of those things. Um, and if someone doesn't have a plan, at least they're willing to engage in that and still have, have that open dialogue and weigh in. And, you know, we need to know who the decision maker is going to be in, in some of those things. So I think the only other thing I would say, Paul, is this is there can be a big difference, as you know, with some farmers who they've worked so hard and they've built this huge estate and they're making some decisions based on paying less taxes or managing the estate and not really giving much thought to the actual operating business and who's going to operate the business, right? Yep, yep, yep. And they let, and, and so, and there's, there's some really good people who are really good at estate planning, but they, and that's what they do. That's their expertise, but they really don't take an effect or into account the people side of it. And, and uh, usually that's what I find. I usually don't find some, and there's some people, a few that will take, you know, really they're into the people. They want to make sure things. And yeah, it's, it, it, I've never found somebody though that really doesn't care about the estate, but they they see those as, as equally important, Yeah, I guess I would say. Well, and, and I so, think that's why it's important when we're doing succession planning for farmers, that it's sort of a team approach. Cause again, you have, you have a thought process that might be a little bit different than my thought process that might be a little bit different from the attorney or from the, from the insurance person or whoever it is. And if you bring that team together, that's sort of rowing the boat the same way, 
uh, you know, let's, let's not get our ego too involved. Um, you know, I, I think it works out a whole lot better for the client than just one person saying, hey, here's the way you're going to go, especially, you know, sometimes us CPAs, you know, we get hung up on the numbers and we sometimes forget about the people. So I think you're right. The people is just as important or more important than the numbers are. Yeah, Paul, you bring up a great point. And this is where if a farmer or if the family and farmer know exactly what they want to do, going to any one of those other experts are great. I'm not needed in that situation. I'm because I'm, I'm not a CPA. I'm not an attorney. Uh, I'm not a financial planner, registered financial planner and so forth. And so I'm not those. I'm not a, a specific discipline. What I do is help people communicate. Stuck, get unstuck. Yep. And and then I work with their other experts who their CPA, their attorney, uh, their insurance person, all those people you mentioned. And then we get together and we put together a plan, you know, with with that client, because, uh, yeah, so that's what's really the, the the ones that are most rewarding and so forth is being able to work with all of those advisors uh, to create a great plan for for that that uh, individual. And so, yeah. And, and one of the things I, you know, to me, there's this process, right? And so, number one, if someone's stuck, they they have to acknowledge they're stuck, and decide that they want to get unstuck, right? Or they want to they want to improve something. Number one, number two, they just need to find who can help them, and so they want to find uh, someone who's experienced, who then has a process, who has experience and a process to get unstuck. And that's the process and the tools. Yep. And and that's what I can bring. And then, uh, you know, I have different people that, that I will work with if they don't have advisors uh, that they work with. But I would rather work with their advisors because they already know them. Right. And so, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, my, my client will come in. Well, except I really don't have clients anymore. But when they came in, they'll say, hey, Paul, you're not going to know this. You know, we have this uh, land that we bought like 20 years ago. And I say, well, the one that you paid like a million four for and it's 160 acres and over in that section. And they go, how do you know that? Well, you know, it's sort of osmosis almost, you know, you, we almost know more about your situation from a financial standpoint than the farmer knows. So, uh, but again, we sometimes know too much. And so we get our, I'm going to say we get our ego involved. And we need to step back and say, you know, what's best for the client, not what's best for us, but what's best for the client. Yeah, that's that's well spoken. And what I always like to do is give them options and say, so here's option A, B, or C. Uh, now, one of those may not be an option based on what you're, you know, what you really want to do, but you know, there's going to be uh, advantages and disadvantages of each one of those. And so let's understand what the options are and what the effect of that option is, so that you and your family can make the appropriate decision. There's always trade-offs. Yep. No. Well, this is a good discussion. I, I think right now we'll take a break for a sponsor message and then we'll come back and go over some, uh, maybe some personal stuff and, uh, and so on and so forth. Sounds good. How many years away is the long run for a farmer? Five years? 10 years? Top producers like Hans Reinchi of Blue Diamond Farming Company in Jessup, Iowa, know RoboAgri Finance shares his enduring vision for the future. Whether it's building our grain site, or if it's purchasing the next field, we're able to turn to Robo as a trusted partner to help us get financing to make those generational decisions. With unmatched financial capacity, local relationship managers, and a global network of sector experts to offer market guidance, 
RoboAgger Finance provides enterprising farmers with a personalized approach to lending and financial services. Growing a better world together, RoboAgger Finance. Welcome back, everyone, to the Top Producer Podcast. I am Paul Neifer, your host, and uh, we're going to rejoin our conversation with Alan Richardson. We've sort of talked about you know, uh, using EOS in the process to help farmers, entrepreneurs get unstuck. We've talked about the succession side, but now I'm going to talk a little bit about the personal side for, for you, Alan. So in your maybe your career of, of getting up to speed on this and so on. Did you have any mentors that helped you along the way? Uh, Paul, you cut out just a little bit. Did you say mentors or some yeah, people? Mentors. Yeah, mentors. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Mentors. Oh, you bet. Man, uh, the list is long. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, um, yeah, there's, uh, uh, when I was in college, I always wanted to, you know, how do I learn more, do more? So um, some of the names that I can't even remember anymore, Um so, but I, I will say this, there's, there's some books that I, I like to read. There's some books that are really helpful. And, and to me, there's four books that are just foundational uh, to help people help themselves and each other. And those are number one is the seven habits of highly effective people by, by, by Dr. Stephen Covey. Mm-hmm. And it's just a foundational book. Number one, number two, the book traction, which talks about the entrepreneur operating system. That's a great book uh, and system. The next thing is in when it, when things get tough, because it's always about people, right? Usually yep. it's about people. It's the five dysfunctions of a team by um, uh, just Covey, Stephen Covey. Uh, no, that's not right. It's Patrick Lencioni. So the five dysfunctions of a team, it's really good stuff. And then the last one is, it, it's a series of, of, of books called Crucial. The first one is called Crucial Conversations. Yep, yep. Crucial Confrontations and then Crucial Accountability. It's by a group that used to be called Vital Smarts. Now they're crucial something. Yeah. So crucial learning. So those are just some really good books that I would recommend to people to get a hold of and read and so forth. But, you know, I think for me in what I do specifically today, I mean, there's been some great mentors, uh, but what I specifically do today, the people that's really helped me is Gino Wickman. Uh, the, the the guy who wrote Traction is the founder of the, the Entrepreneur Operating System. Um, uh, great, great guy. And then uh, a guy named John Brown, John Brown's an attorney out of uh, Colorado. And he started an organization called BEI, Business Enterprise Institute. And uh, I actually got a certification of of exit planning through them. So, you know, I I believe in education. I also believe um, in uh, having processes. And so that's what I seek out. Uh, is having a proven process to really, truly help someone. This is, you know, it's not just something that I said, you know, I, I went, well, let's try this. Let's try this. Yep, no, yep. let's do this because this works. So, so there's a couple of people that, that have really helped. I mean, obviously I've got a father-in-law and, and um, uh, his name is Gary Pellet and he lives over in Atlantic, Iowa. And, and we, we do some, my wife is a, is one of Pellet and, and we do some farming over there. And so Gary's been instrumental and, you know, there's a list probably of 10, 10 long, but uh, I'll just throw him out there as well. Okay. Okay. And then, uh, do you have any time for any hobbies? And now it sounds like you like to read. Now I'm, I'm the same. Yeah. I think since fourth grade, I've averaged over a hundred books a year of my whole life. So, uh, I do like to read, but, uh, any other hobbies for you? 
and that's a much voracious reader than me. But uh, my oldest son is uh, uh, he's 27. He does what I do uh, with the EOS work and and so forth, and is beginning to learn some of the business continuity succession planning stuff. So my family, uh, my oldest son Cooper uh, is doing what I do. Uh, my youngest son is uh, is an entrepreneur as well, and so it's fun to watch the family and continue to support. We have two boys. Uh, and then my wife and I are starting a permaculture, uh, okay. a food, what we call a food forest down in, in uh, Arkansas. And it's actually going to be a demonstration farm where it's totally 100% off grid uh, using the, the newest and latest technologies on everything. So it's not even connected to the grid or water or any of that. So uh, it's kind of fun. You plant stuff once and, and you never uh, have to... Um, uh, plant again. We had hmm. uh, when we were in Iowa. We had uh, two acres of Chinese chestnuts, and you plant it once, and and uh, the people who bought it from us two three years ago are are just really that 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 forest is really now starting to come into its own. So uh, it's pretty pretty fun stuff. So we're into that. Uh, we I mentioned we were involved with the farm operation up in near Atlantic, um, and uh, so that kind of key. I just love business. I love producing stuff. Um, so that kind of keeps me busy at this point. So are you trying to live off grid or are you still living on grid, but it's just the, the permaculture side, or I'm just sort of curious on that. Cause my wife has talked, Paul, we need to get a battery system and solar. I had solar when we were in Washington and, and so on, but I'm just curious on that. Yeah. So currently my house where, I, where my residence is, is in, in a lake in Bella Vista, Arkansas. And we moved from Iowa about three and a half years ago. Uh, we lived in Adel, Iowa for about 20 some years and we had, you know, we owned businesses there and they, they are, are orchard and various thing, uh, but my career was number one. Uh, but now we live in uh, on a lake and then about an hour south of that and uh, we have a this this 17 acres which we're putting into this permaculture okay and uh, we have a farm manager and and you know we're we're going to be a hundred percent self-efficient uh, self-sufficient. And for us and our neighbors and so forth. And, uh, you know, we believe that the uh, uh, there's supply chain going to be some supply chain issues and mm -hmm. so forth. So we're just, you know, and, and then when I'm done uh, doing the when I no longer can do what I what I get to do, uh, I uh, I'm going to go and just have fun with the, the livestock that we have. And we give tours for our off grid living and, and give tours for people. Uh, we also have a, are going to have a. Um, a healing center there. Uh, we're also going to have, uh, you know, just give a demonstrate, uh, give tours of our food forest, and and we're going to actually. Uh, my wife is now certified uh, in in doing permaculture design, helping people uh, basically uh, put these food forests in either in their yard or in their acreage that they have, so they can grow their own food uh, on that. So that's kind of a passion for hers now. I was going to say, if my wife shows up, I'm in trouble. So, <laughs> well, you're you're invited to okay. uh, come on down. Just hop a flight onto Fayetteville, and we'll pick yeah. you up. And, yeah, I, uh, it, I, it, it's kind of fun. I, I will probably take you up on that. So, uh, my wife would—that's the type of trip my wife would like. So, uh, and then, is there anything that keeps you up at night? You know, really, there's not. Uh, Paul, I mean, we always we always concern about our kids and yeah. and is everybody OK and that kind of stuff. But other than family and, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff, I think, going on in the world. But you know what? We just do what we can control yep. and uh, and just uh, don't worry about the negative stuff and just do the things that we we can do to hopefully make the world a better place for our next generations. And so, no, I don't I don't stay awake at night. Okay. And then finally, uh, what's your uh, definition of success in farming? 
Ooh, definition of success in farming. So I, I would say that there's, this is, I think this is for any business, Paul. Yeah. And I would say this, number one is, is doing good. Uh, and which means do no harm. All right. And so we got to think of the, our overall impact of, of what's our inputs and is our, is our output greater than the input we have? And so um, I'm just going to say do, uh, doing good and, and do no harm. Number two is providing value, uh, the, the overall net value of that. Uh, and, you know, this this whole electric car thing, you know, there's a lot of mining that gets done that goes yep. into this electricity and all yeah. that. So I don't know that the net good is there. Yeah. So anyway, that's the, just the flavor of that. Yeah. Um, obviously, we need profit for sustainability. And yep. so we, we, we must make a profit um and so forth and then just for me you know are, are we truly leaving a legacy are we mentoring and helping others um uh, you know we we can farm we get to do the things we want to do and you know it's fun to go out and run the combine plant and there's challenges and all that that's fun but are we really making an impact in people's lives yeah, yeah. and and that that to me is is a constant so those were those would be the things and whether it's you know that's in farming or any business are we doing those things yeah no it sounds great Again, Alan, thanks for taking time out of your day to have this discussion. Uh, I, I think I will take you up on the uh, visit to, to the farm and bring my wife along at some point in time in my spare time, whenever that might be. But uh, similar to you, I think uh, we're both uh, like to be busy and like uh, to, to uh, you know, help farmers and help others. You know, that's, that's sort of what we like to do. So anything else you'd like to add before we sign off? Nope, I think that's great, Paul, and I'll be disappointed if you and your wife don't show up. So that'd be great. Let's plan on it. Sounds good. Again, this is the Top Producer Podcast. I am Paul Neefe, your host, signing off. Uh -huh.